Hola, bonjour, hello. Let me ask you a question. Do you think it's possible to have a word language class where instead of teaching the language, the rules, and the vocab, you and your students use the language to enjoy learning about each other and the world? I hope your answer is a big yes, because that's exactly what you will discover inside Growing with Proficiency, the podcast. My name is Claudia Elliott, a Spanish teacher born and raised in Colombia, who is as passionate as you are to support our learners to grow in their proficiency and cultural competence. My goal is that in this podcast, you find clarity, strategies, ideas, and inspiration that you can bring into your classroom the next day. Are you ready? Get comfortable while I grab my cafecito colombiano and let's start this conversation now. Hola, hello, bonjour. Welcome to episode nine of Growing with Proficiency, the podcast. I am recording this episode the day before Thanksgiving. So if you celebrate Thanksgiving, I want to say Feliz Dia de Gracias. But even if we don't celebrate Dia de Gracias, it's such a great moment for us to express our gratitude. I am so thankful because I have received so much love as a teacher, as a mom, as a colleague, as a friend, as a sister, as a wife, that I cannot do anything but give back. And that's the purpose of this podcast, serve you, inspire you, and give you activities, strategies, and ideas that you can incorporate in your class. Okay, so after that, let's talk about today. Today in episode nine, I'm sharing with you five powerful activities I learned last week in ACFAL. Now, let me tell you about ACFAL. This was my first time going to ACFAL and it exceeded all my expectations. First, the conversations. Having these conversations with so many passionate world language teachers was beyond what I expected. But then the sessions. I went to 11 sessions and I learned so much. Now, I'm still processing a lot of what I've learned and I'm not ready to incorporate those into my classes yet. But today I'm sharing with you five activities, five strategies that I am already incorporated in my class. I know I came back on Sunday and Monday and Tuesday. I start inc- including some of those because they can easily be incorporated into what I am already doing. Okay, now before I start sharing with you that, I wanted to uh, tell you about these opportunities that I have for this week. Now, this is the week of Thanksgiving and Black Friday, and I wanted to open a few of my programs that I have for you to learn with me. Uh, If you want to check them out, you can go to growingwithproficiency.com forward slash thanks 22. Now, one of the programs is La Academia, the Spanish Teacher Academy for only for a Spanish teacher. And this is an academy. This is a community where you can get training and um, Q, uh, Q&As, uh, planning time with me, resources, and an incredible community. So if you are interested in that, you can also use the code GRACIAS22 to receive an extra discount. Okay, I also have the course that I created with my friend Berta Delgadillo that is making advanced courses successful for every learner. Now, this is a great one for Spanish teachers who are teaching advanced courses. And if you're teaching AP, you will love that. Now, you can check 
this out at growingproficiency.com forward slash thanks 22. My tip at this store is also in uh, on sale is 20% off so you can go to my TPT store and find resources uh, for um, during this week and in growingwithproficiency.com forward slash thanks 22 I also put together three free resources that you can use I think you're gonna love them one of them uh, I created with my friend Christina Marghiori and it's a language booster that is perfect for the upcoming break but also when our students say Mm, do I need, can I have extra credit or uh, can I do something outside the class? You can hand out this uh, resource and they can choose and uh, continue growing with their linguistic uh, journey, proficiency journey. Okay, so that's it for, for uh, that opportunity. Now let's start with our episode. First, character autopsy. I learned this activity from Jennifer Dagenher. Jennifer is an incredible author of uh, readers in all the languages. Uh, you can find her link in my show notes. She learned this activity from Senora Haston, and you can find her uh, Twitter handle also in the show notes. Now, what is character autopsy? This is a post reading activity. And I loved it. So with this activity, you're going to ask your students to create or to trace the body of one of the characters. And you're going to dress, all students are supposed to dress the character as based on what they learn from the, about the character in the book. Now, this is the part that I thought it was so brilliant. Now, you're going to ask your students to write different sentences around the body parts of the character. Head, three thoughts. Three thoughts that the character had, or you, or as a student, you think that the character may have during the book. Mouth, your favorite quote. Arms, in one arm, something that the uh, character would love to hold. One thing, and it's something really important for that character. On the other hand, something that the character would want to create or destroy. Is so good. Now, hands, one hand, a phone with a message that the character receive, would like to receive based on the book. And on the other hand, a phone with a message that the character would not like to receive based on the book. Isn't that so good? Okay. Heart, something that this, the character loves or hate. Stomach, something that the character ate or would have eaten legs this is this is such a great way to like really like take apart a character uh, now legs one leg places where the character went in the story this is a good other leg places that the character may go in the future after the end of the book now shoes as stepping into someone's shoes so in the shoes, you're going to ask the students to write one thing that the character learned when stepping into someone else's shoes into a different perspective or would have learned. I just love this activity and I am going to totally use it as soon as we finish our books. We are going to start reading Maria Cano from... Um, Adriana Ramirez and we just finished Tumba by Myra Canyon so we are going to do this right after those okay now let's move on and you're going to find the links from 
um, Jennifer and uh, Senora Haston in my show notes. Okay, second, Mab Talk. Now this I learned from Benjamin Tinsley. He is outstanding and the way that he explained Mab Talk is totally, it's not totally different, but it's such a much deeper perspective that I had learned in the past. So map talk is great a strategy for a comprehensible input-based strategy because <clears throat> you can use the visual of the map to use the language and explain or describe a place to your students. And now when we're talking about map talk, uh, Ben went a little bit farther and deeper and he really uses map talk as an entry point to use language to learn about the world in a much deeper way. So when we using tap map talk or when I use map talk in the past, I was really focusing on the language aspect, forgetting that it was a great way or a great opportunity for me to go deeper into really the world, the cultures, the people that live in those places, the languages that people speak in those places. So the way that uh, Ben explained it to us is you're going to go to Google and you are going to go to the settings and change the language of your Google map to the language that you teach. And then you're going to zoom in into your home. So starting from home is so much easier because the students have the background knowledge. They know where they live. And you start from there and you start asking questions to introduce those linguistic structures that we need our students to be acquiring. So you do that and based on the level of your students, you ask different questions. So if you're in a level one, you can say, oh, is this a continent or is there a country? Is this near the ocean or is this near the mountains? Is this a a city? Is this a, a big city? This is a small city. Now, when you go to the upper levels, then you can ask much deeper and richer and complex uh, questions, but using the same map. So the strategy is the same as you're going to level up or level down the type of questions that you ask. Usually in novice, it's going to be either or questions. When you go to the more advanced uh, levels, you can ask more open questions or more like hypothetical questions. Okay. So you start with home and you explore different aspects of your home. And then you zoom out and you take your student into a different world, a different country, a different city. And when you go to that different city, then you start discovering different aspects of that city using the same language that you use when you were talking about home. So it's so brilliant because our students are going to be so much more aware of the surroundings when we're talking about home. So they're going to make the connections. And I think the cognitive load for them learning or listening to these words is going to be so low because they know where they are. And then you transfer all that they have acquired when they use the local or the home map to zoom out and take them to a different place. Uh, so what I found so powerful is how Bain explained that the important part here is not, you know, introducing north or south or mountains or, you know, the, the words that we use when we're talking about maps, but it's also and especially to discover about populations, languages, food, indigenous people, and more. 
And when you discover that, you're really helping your students to complete or to meet these intercultural standards that ACFL is providing for us. And that is so important for students to develop. And at the end, when our students have this home map talk and then the other city, place, location map talk, they can do something that we love them to do and is comparisons. So I really love how Ben explained map talk, the deeper and much more culturally rich perspective where he's really focusing on the discovering of this new world and taking our students into that journey. Okay, map talk, I'm adding the link of Ben in Ben is a, is a French teacher and adding his a link in the show notes too. Okay, let's go to number three, traffic light reading. <clears throat> now, I this is a reading activity while students are reading. And I learned this in the session of my friends, Berta Delgadillo and Annabel Williamson. They did an incredible session about music. But you know, music is more than listening to the song. When we do music, we can do a lot of reading if we are reading the lyrics, but we can also read about the uh, singers, the bands, the stories behind the songs. So when you have a text related to a song, they share with us the traffic light reading. Now, traffic light reading is going to require for your students to have three colors of uh, highlighters or color pencils or crayons. Anything can work. And three colors, green, yellow, and red, of course. So when you ask your students to read the text, they're going to have green and they're going to highlight in green all the sections of the text that they know. Yellow, some of the sections that they may not, they kind of like figure it out, but they're not 100% certain. And red, things that they don't know. Now, this was an idea from Berta Delgadillo, and I thought it was so... So good. So she said, for heritage speakers, because they may know everything, what you're going to ask them to highlight in red is those, the, the vocab that they know, may know, but they don't use on a regular basis. So they are going to be aware of the academic language that maybe is embedded into these texts or words that they know what they mean, but they're from a different country. So they really don't use on a daily basis. And identify that is going to do something that we love for our students to do and is really have a better vocab. Okay, so that's traffic light reading. Next one, reconstructions on, of information as a way to demonstrate comprehension. <laughs> now, I have used this activity in the past, but I got a different level when learning from, of course, the incredible Florencia Henshu. So Florencia did, I don't know, like five sessions and I went to two of those sessions and she mentioned this activity in both of them. And I love the potential of the activity, the flexibility of the activity. Okay, so let me explain to you what reconstruction of information is. When we do reconstruction of information, you take a test and you take it apart, and your students have to put it back together. Let me give you an example. You have an infographic. So in the infographic, you are going to cover the images, the icons that the infographic has. And then on another document, you're going to screenshot the 
um, images or the icons and put them on a different paper. And then you ask your students to read the text of the infographic that only has the text and then take apart or cut the images and the icons and put them back together next to the text that they feel matches, right? So what are they doing? They're reading and they're demonstrating understanding, but matching the appropriate icon with the corresponding text. Isn't that so brilliant? Now, you can do this with, I mean, I think any text. Let's talk about interview. You can take apart questions and answers, and then you cover the questions. You put the questions on a different paper and you ask your students to match the question with the answer. Isn't that so good? Uh, articles that have subtitles, you can do the same. Cover the subtitles and have students to uh, match the, the subtitles with the, this different paragraph. Um, menus, right? Like for Spanish one, menus, you cover the, all the images from the menu and have the students to match the uh, menu item with the text. Uh, maps, uh, brochures, anything, anything. And I think, you know, sometimes when we use authentic resources, I'm already really concerned because the text is so heavy. And making these reconstructions of information, reconstruction of text activity, I think we make those authentic resources more accessible because we really are looking for main ideas. If our students are really able to identify the main idea of each chunk of text. So you're chunking and you are really creating a different way for your students to approach the text. I thought it was great. Thank you, Florencia. I love that activity. Okay. Number five, we cannot live without a good game. Now, let me tell you, this session was with Bethany Drew. And this session was the best at SCOLD conference in March. And that's why she was doing the same at ACFAL. And there was a good reason why she was the best at SCOLD. This was packed with great, great information. Now, when I went to the session, my computer died. And I didn't have a pen. I didn't have a paper, nothing. So I'm relying on my memory for this. So Bethany, I'm sorry. I'm hoping that I'm not messing this up too bad. But I am linking to one of Bethany's posts where she's talking about similar activity. So hopefully this is going to be useful. I tried this in my class already yesterday and it was great. Okay, so this is a semi-spontaneous speaking card activity. So for this activity, you need to create cards with different topics related to the unit or book or movie or song that you are using in your class right now. You're going to divide your um, students in groups of two or four, and you're going to give a set of cards to each group, uh, each group. And how many cards, it will depend on how you want to structure the game. And this is what I got a little bit confused, but this is what I did. I gave a, a set of cards with the same number of cards as a student. So if I have a group of two, they will have two cards. If I have a group of four, they will have four cards. So the idea is they put down the card and then they draw a card and they have to talk for 45 seconds about the topic in the card. Now you can have, I mean, imagine the different 
options, right? So let's say that you have those two cards and you put all the topics on your screen. So you as a student, you are describing your card. The other student is listening to you and is looking at the different topics on the um, projection that you're doing. And then they can say, you're talking about this. Now, it really doesn't matter. What is really important is for our students to get comfortable talking, right? Like when they get this stamina, they, they get used to be talking like semi-spontaneous. Now, what I did is I gave, I put my students in groups of four and I gave them 30 seconds. I said, okay, draw a card. Each one of them draw a card, draw a card. And then they look at their card and they have 30 seconds to think about what to say about the card. Then I say go and I put a timer of 40 seconds. In those 40 seconds, the student had to talk about the topic. In the meantime, the other three students were listening to the student and looking at all the topics that were on my board. And the student, after they finished talking, they will say what was the topic and the student who got the topic correct got a point. Now, it's not really about winning. Again, it's about doing the activity. You can do it with more cards, right? Like, so you can have a card and then a student can choose the topic that you're going to talk about it. It's so good because they're talking in small groups. Now, what I did is after we did this, we did Battle Royale that I also learned from Bethany Drew. So instead of creating one card, different card for each one of my students, I created two identical sets and I divide my class in two to do this activity. So I divided the class in two. I gave one student a card. I put the students in group of four and then they did the activity that I just explained. But after that, I said, so now I'm the one playing. So after everybody went one round, each one described their own card, I have them to switch cards with another group from the same team to get more practice, to get more talking about the topics. And after I did that, this is what I did. I was describing. So I described one topic, right? Like, so everybody, they have two identical sets, uh, both team, each student has a card, which is key because everybody was listening to me. And I would explain, I would talk about the topic, and then after I finish, I would count to five, right? Like I really wanted to give that processing time. And when I finish, I say, listo. And after I say, ready, the first student who stand up, say the topic and show the topic, win the point. It was fabulous. It was so fun. I was so happy to see my students talking, listening, engage, everyone. Now, you would say, oh, as soon as they say listo and they have your topic, then they're going to go. Like, they're going to be super like, okay, I'm gone because she already talked about my topic. I could repeat a topic, but after three topics, I have my students to switch cards. So it will keep it, you know, engaged. Wasn't that great? Okay, so let's recap. We talk about character autopsy that I learned from Jennifer Dagenhardt, map talk that I learned from Benjamin Tinsley, traffic light re- reading that I learned from Berta Delgadillo and Annabel Williamson, reconstruction of a text, reconstruction, reconstruction of information that I learned from Florencia Hanshu, and the 
semi-spontaneous speaking card game that I learned from Bethany Drew with a battle royale spin at the end. Those were great activities. Now, if you're with me and you listen to these five and you say, oh my gosh, that's a lot, then I'm going to give you authorization. You don't need to do them all. <laughs> I went to another great session by my friends, Lisa MCH and Michelle Ola, and both of them talk about minimis- minimalism and how we really <clears throat> need to unclutter our physical space, our brain, our drives, and all our instruction and truly focusing on great, powerful activities that serve our purpose instead of trying to do it all. And Lisa was talking about our digital space. And she said, you know, we teachers, we collect and collect and collect and collect because maybe one day in the future, I will use it. And we just really clutter our digital uh, drives. So what she said is, Create a just-in-case folder and drop everything there. If you don't want to delete it, if you feel like, oh, I don't know if I want to delete that, put it there. So thinking about that, I feel like we should create a maybe later folder, not only in our digital space, but also in our brain. So get these five activities, select one or two that you say, you know, I'm going to try that. And don't worry, put the other three in the maybe later folder. Okay, I hope that you enjoy this um, episode. I want to hear from you. Please tag me, share with me what is the activity that you're going to be doing in class. I love to see that this podcast is creating an impact on you. So please, please share with me. Now, before I go, I just want to remind you that this week until this Sunday, November 27, I will have all these opportunities for you to learn with me. And if you want to know more about those opportunities and the free resources, go to growingwithproficiency.com forward slash thanks 22. Okay, that's it for today. Ay, les deseo lo mejor y nuevamente mil y mil gracias por creer en mí y por crecer conmigo. Thank you for growing with me. Chao, chao y nos vemos pronto.